welcome. Welcome to our final message in our current series, Eagerly Desire. What a great series it has been, not just because of the fantastic teaching, but because of what God is doing in us and through us. We embarked on this series not because we weren't seeing any spiritual gifts, but because we wanted to see more. We wanted to press into the much more of God. And we're beginning to see that. As we come to the end of this series today, let's keep reminding ourselves, this is not meant to be a series that we put away on the shelf or refer to as, oh, do you remember once we did that? No, this series, Eagerly Desire, is meant to stir us day after day, week after week, as we press in to all that God has for us in this realm of spiritual gifts. And we come to our final passage, and it's actually the final bit of teaching that Paul does in his letter to the Corinthians about corporate worship. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, and I'm going to read to you from verses 26 to 40. What then shall we say, brothers and sisters? When you come together, each of you has a hymn or a word of instruction, a revelation, a tongue or an interpretation. Everything must be done so that the church may be built up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak one at a time. Someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet in the church and speak to himself and to God. Two or three prophets should speak and the others should weigh carefully what is said. And if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. For you can all prophesy in turn so that everyone may be instructed and encouraged. The spirits of prophets are subject to the control of prophets. For God is not a God of disorder but of peace as in all the congregations of the Lord's people. Women should remain silent in the churches. They are not allowed to speak but must be in submission as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their husbands at home for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in the church. Or did the word of God originate with you? Or are you the only people it has reached? If anyone thinks they're a prophet or otherwise gifted by the Spirit, let them acknowledge what I'm writing to you is the Lord's command. But if anyone ignores this, they themselves should be ignored. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. So Paul comes to the end of his block of teaching on corporate worship. And he, what he does in these verses is he kind of gives us two summaries, one at the beginning and one at the end. And then in the middle, he gives some additional kind of foundational teaching on speaking out in church. So he starts, what shall we say, brothers and sisters, when you come together? Each of you has. Paul is summarizing what's gone before. What then shall we say? And a summary that reinforces the points he has been making. He's reminding us that corporate worship is the context of this teaching. When you come together, when you gather, when you are church at one level, the word that we use, church, comes from the Greek word ecclesia, which literally means the gathered community. This is teaching for when we gather. 
He's reminding us there is a diversity of gifts from a diverse group of people. And when those people gather, each one has, and everything must be done so that we can be built up. He is looking for a diversity of gifts. He's looking for eager anticipation. And he's looking for everything to be done for the same purpose, for the building up of the body, or elsewhere he says the common good. Paul is consistent in his encouragement throughout these chapters. He is reminding us, he's reminding the Corinthians that despite all their bad practice, spiritual gifts are not nice-to-haves. Spiritual gifts are not meant to be associated with a certain style of worship. In our context, it's not that, oh yeah, if you've got a guitar and a drum kit, you have spiritual gifts. But you have an organ or plain song, you don't have spiritual gifts. It's not about styles of worship or nice-to-haves or the cherry on the cake. No, spiritual gifts are a vital part of corporate worship. And they are vital because they are essential in the maturing of the body and of the individuals within that body. This is what Paul has been saying. This is what he summarizes here in these verses and we'll do again in 15 verses time. But of course, we tend to miss that because of one phrase. When we come to this passage, especially if we come to it from a modern Western context, the verse that leaps out, the phrase that leaps out, is this phrase, women should remain silent in the churches. Some of you may have grown up in churches where those words were applied literally and with a heavy hand. If you did, I hope you find the next 20 minutes helpful and releasing. And I'm sorry if you have felt that those words have been used to oppress you or limit your growth in God. I, I can't at one level apologise for other people. All I can do is explain to you what we believe these words mean in context. Because yes, there are those who say, well, it's very simple, Simon. It says women should remain silent. What more do you need? The simple understanding is, of course, the right understanding. And there are times in Scripture when that's exactly true. But we know when we come to Scripture that we should always interpret Scripture in the original context, in the original culture, and in the original language. And that's what I'm going to try and do for the rest of this preach. We're going to try and unpack this passage and say, what is Paul actually saying in context? And what I think we have here is three similar connected instructions. Let me explain why I believe that. In verse 27, it says this, if anyone speaks in a tongue, two or at most three should speak one at a time and someone must interpret. If there's no interpreter, the speaker should keep quiet. Then in verse 29, Paul seems to address another group of people, but for a similar reason. Two or three prophets should speak, the others should weigh carefully what is said, and if a revelation comes to someone who is sitting down, the first speaker should stop. Actually, 
what it says in the Greek is the first speaker should be silent. So if you're bringing a tongue and there's no interpretation, you should be silent. If you're a prophet and another prophet needs to speak, you should be silent. And then in verse 34, we have women should remain silent in the church. They are not allowed to speak, but must be in submission as the law says. If they want to inquire about something, they should ask their own husbands at home, for it is disgraceful for a woman to speak in church. So what, what is going on here when we read it in its context? Well, we have three connected instructions. They are linked linguistically. It would appear that three groups of people, a group of prophets, a group that speak in tongues, and a certain group of women, so three groups, are all being corrected for a similar error. And that error is speaking out in moments when they should be holding their tongue. The same Greek word is used in each correction. It's the word sigato, and it literally means let them be hushing. <laughs> hush. So it's like Paul says, prophets in this situation, hush. Those speaking in tongues in this situation, hush. This certain group of women, when you're doing this, hush. It's the same command in verse 28, in verse 30, and in verse 34. Paul is tempering and bringing guidance or teaching on inappropriate contribution from certain people. Now we know when we look at the broader context, Paul is not saying there should be no prophecy. He's saying prophecy should be handled in this way. He's not saying there should be no speaking in tongues. He's saying speaking in tongues should be handled in this way. And I think therefore what he's saying, he's not saying there should be no women speaking, but he's saying certain women should not speak in this way. These linked instructions are working from the same foundation. The foundation that Paul has been establishing in previous chapters. Foundations of purpose, motivation and culture around spiritual gifts. What is the purpose of spiritual gifts? It's the building up of the church. What should be our motivation for bringing spiritual gifts? Well, it should be love and the serving of others. What culture is Paul creating around spiritual gifts? It's a culture of mutual submission in corporate worship for the common good. Paul is bringing specific teaching to three different groups in a similar way based on the same foundations and he's articulating a common principle. When you are bringing a spoken gift, you are in control of that gift. The gift comes from God but does not take over the mind or the body of the recipient. The gifts of the Spirit, as it were, do not ride roughshod over the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, Paul says this about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Paul is saying the Holy Spirit who brings a gift is also the Holy Spirit who brings the fruit of self-control. And when you are bringing a spoken gift, you have control. 
Now, why does that matter specific, specifically for the Corinthians? Well, because in Corinth, there was a culture, a broader culture, of ecstatic religious practice. It was common in the kind of uh, idol worship, the, the worship elsewhere in Corinth of other gods, that when you were in worship, you were overwhelmed in the moment. You lost control. Your speech was outside of your control. Bizarrely, you were in control enough to make yourself the centre of attention, it would seem, but you had no control. Once the, once the spirits were on you, you just went. Paul is saying, no. That's not how the Holy Spirit works. There's order. And one of the ways the Holy Spirit brings order is that we have self-control. If you're speaking and someone else needs to speak, you can be hushed. If you're shouting out, you can be hushed. If you're bringing a long and detailed tongue, well, you can hush if there's no interpretation. So what is Paul saying about women here? Well, we can't be exactly sure. Some have argued that what they were doing is that there were the married women, they were gossiping in church and, and that needed to stop. Some have said they were calling out to the husbands in worship. They had a, a question. Others have suggested that maybe they're bringing proud and directive teaching that, that's not being tempered by submission. To be honest with you, friends, it's impossible to know exactly what Paul is correcting. But I believe it is possible to know what he is not commanding. He is not teaching that all women in all cultures at all time should always be silent. I believe when we look at the passage itself in its context, there are these three strands and it's clear that Paul is giving guidance to a certain group of women in the same way he's speaking to some prophets and some of those who are bringing tongues. And I believe that position is supported by the wider context. So, for instance, in throughout Paul's teaching on spiritual gifts, here and elsewhere, notice he uses this phrase, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be ignorant about spiritual gifts. Even in our summaries he does here, what shall we say, brothers and sisters, in verse 26, verse 39, therefore my brothers and sisters. Now in, in your Bible it might be translated beloved or brethren or just brothers or sometimes believers. Why is that? Well, the Greek word is the word adelphoi which is literally the masculine plural, brothers. But what we do know from our study is that in ancient Greek, it was traditional to refer to a gathered mixed community, male and female, using the male plural of brothers. We know that in the New Testament, the early church, therefore used that phrase to refer to believers male and female. And that's why it's a perfectly accurate translation here in the NIV for Paul to say, for us to translate it, brothers and sisters. Now if Paul's teaching on prophecy, on tongues, on words of knowledge, on teaching, on love has been addressed to brothers and sisters, 
it would seem very strange that now he's saying, oh, but the sisters need to be quiet. How does a sister bring a prophetic word if she's also to be quiet? No, the general context points us to this was a very specific command for a very specific group of women. If Paul had wanted to prohibit women from contributing, he could have been much clearer in his language. What's more, when we, we kind, of, kind of scan out again, just kind of broaden out again, we see in the, in elsewhere in the letter to 1 Corinthians, Paul gives detailed instructions on how a woman should prophesy. 1 Corinthians 11 verses 2 to 5 say when, when a man prophesies, his head should be uh, uncovered. When a woman prophesies, her head should be covered. Now, we can get very caught up in dress code, but let's ignore that for a moment and just recognize Paul is giving direct teaching to women to prophesy in the gathered community. Paul's teaching on the, gather, the gathering starts at the beginning of chapter 11, not chapter 12. It would be very weird for him to then get to chapter 14 and go, oh, by the way, women should be quiet. Do you remember, remember what I said about prophesying? Well, you can ignore that now because, no, the, the, the wider, the broader context tells us Paul is not commanding all women at all times to be silent. If we, if we kind of pull out again, look even broader, we have other New Testament references to female prophets and female leaders who would have spoken in church. Romans 16.1, Luke 2, Acts 21, Romans 16 verse 3 refer to women who have leadership and spoken gifts. What then is this reference to the law? How does that help us? Where, where Paul says, oh, but according to the law, well, it's almost certainly pointing to the earliest part of the law. Genesis 1 and 2, the relationship between men and women, which Paul himself unpacks in Ephesians 5 with mutual submission, honour, love, service and self-sacrifice. As I read this and ask myself the question, what, what is the fundamental issue for a prophet who won't be quiet and a tongue speaker who won't be quiet and a married woman who won't be quiet? This is pride. And that makes sense of the quote of the law because the law is talking about submission and humility. For me, friends, brothers and sisters, the overall weight of the language and the context make it clear that Paul is not forbidding women from taking part verbally in corporate worship. And it is tragic, it causes me great sadness that these words have been used to limit the role of women in corporate worship. Here at Every Day we would want to actively encourage every member of the church to eagerly desire spiritual gifts even those spiritual gifts that need you to use your voice, like tongues and prophecy and interpretation and words of knowledge and moments of teaching. I hope that's helpful. So Paul now wraps up. He gives us another summary in verses 39 and 40. Therefore, my brothers and sisters... Be eager to prophesy. Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Everything should be done in a fitting and orderly way. 
It would seem that prophecy in tongues were the big issue at Corinth, and that's why Paul has spent time specifically on them. But even here, he broadens it out. Everything should be done. Paul is reinforcing again that the way you deal with bad practice with spiritual gifts is not to go into no practice, but to have good biblical practice. Paul encourages us to make space for the spiritual gifts and do it in an orderly way. But that order is not brought by control from a platform or by putting all the gifts in the hands of one or two gifted individuals. No, this is meant to be body ministry for the good of the body. God brings order out of chaos through his word. And in Christ... The word becomes flesh. When we reflect on that glorious chapter, chapter 13 and love, when we reflect on Paul's foundations for the use of spiritual gifts of service and submission and one anothering and deferring one to the other and seeking the common good, he's just drawing us to the character of Christ. He's drawing us to God's character what is Paul saying to us he's saying the character of God is expressed in your corporate worship through what you teach but also through how you handle these glorious gifts that are given by the Holy Spirit for the building up of the church order in charismatic worship comes from an individual and corporate commitment to love service and mutual submission We want to be a people who eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit because we know that God eagerly desires to give good gifts to his children. And why does he long to do that? Because he knows that these gifts are one of the ways that he transforms us into the likeness of Christ. It's as if the way we handle these gifts is to remember the character of Christ, but also in handling them well, in seeing them released amongst us week after week, day after day. They themselves mature in us that very character of Christ. That as we seek gifts in the character of Christ, those gifts bring that character to the fore in our lives individually and in our lives corporately. God calls us to eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit because he eagerly desires that by his Spirit he would transform us from one degree of glory into another. Friends, brothers and sisters, let's keep pressing in that we might press on, that we might be transformed into those who, like Christ, take the kingdom of God into every area of our lives let's pray Father God we are so grateful for your word we're so grateful for this season this series and we ask that all that we have said and unpacked would find purchase in our hearts like seed in good soil And that over the coming days and weeks and months and years, 
that seed would bear fruit in spiritual gifts, 30, 60, and 100-fold. That you might be glorified and that we might be blessed. Amen.